Hey everybody, uh, this is Nick Kramer here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Code Career Podcast. I'm jumping in ahead of the episode real quick. As you can tell, I'll have a bit of a different quality um, from the Skype call, but we did have some issues when we were recording this that we lost some of the questions, like a bunch of our audio, so Ben and I's. Luckily, all of Sergio's was preserved and everything was good, but I uh, just kind of wanted to say if there's a little bit of choppiness or it kind of seems a little empty, uh, that's why. Tried to slice it together as best as I could. Um, but anyway, uh, with that out of the way, um, this week we are uh, hanging out. Ben and I are hanging out with uh, Sergio Mate of MakerLog. Hi. Yeah, hey, Sergio. So uh, we're just going to be diving in, chatting a little bit about uh, Sergio's background. He's done several amazing projects, but most recently he's really hit a home run with uh, MakerLog. And that's what we're going to primarily focus on. But we also want to dig in, try to find some nuggets of past learnings on other projects and that sort of thing. Um, so to get us started off, uh, Nick, do you have any questions in the research that you were doing that kind of caught your eye with uh, Sergio's work? Um, I think um, well, I, I am interested definitely in the, the maker logs. I've been talking about it a lot in uh, the code career, especially with, um, I'm trying to remember, name starts with an F. Um, uh, Vajar, I think is what his name is. Uh, Fahar, I'm not sure. Fajar, Fajar Siddiq. Yeah, yeah, he's been yeah. pumping you guys up super hard in there. And then awesome. also on Twitter. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an absolute like machine. He just pumps stuff out. Um, but I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get my brain going here. Uh, yeah, I mostly just kind of wanted to do a formal, like, hey, what is MakerLog? Uh, who are you? I mean, I, you know, just kind of a quick little thing. There's, uh, I noticed a couple blog posts and stuff up and some small videos about it, but uh, just kind of to give everybody a bit of a base. Uh, I purposely didn't look into stuff as much because I know Ben's interacted with you before and kind of has a bit more of knowledge, so I kind of want to be the, the, the fresh mind, I guess, right? So. Absolutely. Is that so, a good starting spot? Okay. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. I am Sergio Matei. I am an entrepreneur and founder of MakerLog. And uh, essentially, I've been building apps since I was like 12 or something, uh, really since I was like a little kid. So recently, I made a thing called MakerLog. Uh, a lot of people use it to track their goals. And essentially, it's like a, it's like a social platform for collaborative software development and uh, any kind of creating work, right? So... People go on there, they say whatever they've done during the day, and people, other people comment and, and pump people up, and there's praise. There, there's a lot of cool things like commenting and, and discussion so people can get feedback on their creations and uh, just uh, generally feel more motivated at the end of the day and continue making things. That That's the nice the thing that I'm interested in. Um, so something, I'm, I'll link this... Uh, talk that you did it's called i've learned a lot uh video uh it was perusing your youtube channel and uh, about the kind of everybody pumping each other up and that uh a lot of people don't make stuff because they, it's it's hard for them to share things and how the community can kind of like help people get over that does that Absolutely. make sense yeah i mean the biggest hurdle to getting started at creating anything is just number one you feel lonely because uh you know making without other people is not the same thing as making with a group of people that share the same interests, right? So uh, before I started, I was making products alone. I didn't really have much of an audience either. I had no support group. But now whenever I want to make a product, I have people that can beta test, you know, and and that's MakerLog for me, like a little community in which everybody can share their, their things and there's common interests. And uh, 
uh, everybody gets feedback, everybody can connect and feel a little less lonely while making things, which is a big hurdle. It's also a big hurdle for a lot of creators online. Yeah, and Sergio, you had touched a little bit on, um, you know, loneliness being a hurdle. You um, are also a member of uh, Maker's Kitchen, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, how'd you get involved with those guys? Well, Maker's Kitchen was actually my first Maker's community. So when I realized that the Maker movement existed, uh, thanks to Peter Levels, which I, I saw one of his works on Product Hunt, right? And I was super interested because he mentioned something called the Maker community. What is the maker community? And I found out that there's a group of people who actually uh, make internet creations to make money and uh, hopefully make a sustainable business, right? So I was super interested. And one of my first communities uh, was Maker's Kitchen because they had a Slack chat. It was It's still open. You can totally go with makerskitchen.xyz, right? So they have a Slack chat where you have different kitchens, right? So you have the coding kitchen, the testing kitchen, a lot of cool little chats you can share your products in, right? So I was making MakerLog at the time uh, because I saw a competitor called WhipChat, and I was like, this is too expensive. I'm going to make my own thing, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I just... I said hi on the chat, right? Everybody started just welcoming me and I felt like, wow, okay, this is cool. Um, and I, I, show, I showcased my product, I, I shared it and uh, I started getting feedback and people started commenting, testing it, beta testing. And uh, that was my first interaction with the makers community, essentially. It, it was a Slack chat, it's still up and running. You should really go visit it if, you, if you're getting started making because it's an amazing introduction. Is that kind of one of the main things? That's kind of what I'm pulling from this. Is that um, you thought that well, one something was way too expensive, right? But two, <laughs> it's the fact that you wanted to have that interaction, you, and you make this. And I hear this a lot with a lot of makers and indie hackers and stuff. Is that you make something for yourself because you know that you're not the only person to to have that problem, right? Is that kind of the inspiration behind why you started MakerLog in the first place? Absolutely. Um... My main inspiration was that I saw that there was this community called uh, Whip. I am I am honestly completely shameless about this nowadays. Like I, I used to have shame about mentioning it. Now I don't. Um, I saw this community called Whip. I thought it was a little too expensive, and I created my own personal alternative. It wasn't even meant to be released. MakerLog was not even meant to be launched. It was my personal alternative. It solved the problem for me. But then I realized, hey, other people have this problem. Other people think it's a little too expensive, students, uh, people out there. So I was like, you know what, uh, let's make it open. Sure. And I, I launched it and uh, it's been going well since. No, Mark, Mark Holbridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know much of um, Mark's work. Aside from that, uh, you know, are there any major like notable pro uh, projects? Um, yeah, he made Betalist, uh, Betalist and uh, a few other things. He recently had like a, some chat where you had to pay <laughs> for every letter. It was kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, that was, he, he was a big inspiration for MakerLog, his work. Awesome. So yeah, let's uh, rewind the clock a little bit and go back to uh, some of the projects that you worked on prior to, uh, to MakerLog. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I have a long list. Um, my biggest, well, if I want to start from the real beginning, I can totally go ahead and uh, talk about my my child my childhood projects. Okay, so you remember those? Huh? Absolutely. 
<laughs> um, so do you remember do you remember those website builders back in the day, Web 2.0, you know? Like GeoCities and Angel Fire and stuff uh, and all those? No, that's a little too old for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at, man. I'm showing more my like, age. More like webs.com and... Uh, you know, we had like Web 2.0 already going at the time. Um, not to call you old, but you know, it's a little you know before me. <laughs> hey, if the shirt fits, man. <laughs> um, no shame. Um, so yeah, I, I got started when I was a kid. I, I discovered these website builders because I was really into technology, right? So my first product was a social network called. I don't even want to mention the name. It's almost embarrassing, but it was a mistyping of what the, what a something. I I don't know. I don't want to talk about the name. It's so bad. I cringe. Um, but generally, it was just a social network, and my attempt at becoming the next Facebook, right? So I would I would go around for the next six or so, not six, four, three years, trying to make my own little Facebook beater you know i was a kid I, I was really naive i had no idea um that of course i'm not gonna make the next facebook um but so yeah i kept on with that hope but at the same time picking picking up like little shards of knowledge right so over time i'd pick up i pick up html css php and at the end of the day i had like i had some good knowledge on how to build uh the you know, products right so my first big product, per se, was something called Tailship. It was a, a collaborative text editor, right, in which people would take turns to write. And uh, at the end of the day, you'd have a really fun and wacky story, right? So uh, it, it got nominated for a really big competition from Microsoft, the, the Microsoft Imagine Cup. 2017, I was a world finalist. I got, I was taken to Seattle there, and I got a lot of coaching for marketing, for pitching, and it was an amazing experience. And the big aspiration for that project was to, you know, get into an accelerator, get funded, go to YC, unicorn, <laughs> you know. Um, it didn't really work out because I, I learned a lot. Um, I learned that number one, if you are not very passionate about a project. Don't go for it. Honestly, for me, Tailship was a very satisfying project engineering-wise, right? But it wasn't really solving a problem for me, right? So I, 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 want, I knew I wanted to write more, but it wasn't really solving a big problem for me and not for other people either. And it really made no revenue aside from what Microsoft was providing me as a grant. And uh, number two, I can't market a product if it does not solve a problem or if I'm not passionate about it, right? So uh, it, that pretty much led to its downfall. And my next project would just be MakerLog. It started as a small thing and, you know, eventually grew from there. And that was, MakerLog has been the learning experience for me of a lifetime, I mean. I, I learned that if you really want to make something successful, you have to solve a real problem, right? You have to solve a problem. And uh, I've learned so much from it generally. And uh, that, that was pretty much my major project, Tailship, my first real big thing. Well, yeah, if um, you don't mind me asking, what was Tailship uh, poised to do? Like, what's, uh, how did you catch uh, Microsoft's interest? Well, uh, I essentially I just made it. 
and uh, I submitted it. I remember I submitted it to a Microsoft competition, the Microsoft Imagine Cup, right? Um, and it got selected as the Latin American world finalist. So I, I was sent there. I competed for 100K. I didn't really make it, uh, but I made semifinals, and I feel really proud of that. Um, but all in all, it was just Microsoft. It, it was more of a learning experience for me. Um, at the end of the day, aside from those two reasons, also Hurricane Maria, I was going to sell it to education, but then again, Hurricane Maria just completely destroyed the island. So I had no clients. Uh, it got rid of my whole client base, so I couldn't chase it further in that aspect either, in enterprise. It, it really, it really was. I, I mean, aside from losing passion on it, that was a big factor that contributed to to the project's demise. I mean, from one day to the next, you have a plan and you you know what you're gonna do the next day and you, you're doing things and you're shipping. The next day, uh, you look outside your window and everything's destroyed, right? So it, it was quite an, a bad experience and it just, uh, it destroyed any possible leads that I had for MakerLog, for Tailship, I mean. I just really needed to move on from that project. It was a tough decision. It was a really tough call, but then again, everything just kind of fell into place and uh, the hurricane and then, you know, the, the aftermath of the hurricane, then just everything just fell into place. And I just left that project because aside from passion, I just, there was nowhere left for it to go. Um, there was nothing more in there for me. It was a real shame and it was really hard to let go. I, I think there's actually an interview on Failery, uh, a, a blog related to startup failures. I think there's a blog on there, the blog post that details my experience. Uh, you should probably check that out. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, post that I'm trying to think here. I'm actually navigating here. I have your site up right now because I was, like I said, I was doing some looking. Uh, first cool. off, awesome design. Really nice. Thank you. Uh, and is that kind of like the, uh, what is it? Uh, I did see this. I didn't read the blog post called Making an Apocalypse, How I Shipped a SaaS After Hurricane Maria. No, that was not it. That okay. was not the post. There's, It's actually in a blog called Failery, right? Oh, oh, you, yeah. You, okay, you mentioned Failery that. Failery.com. And there, I wrote a whole interview on, on how to how I moved on from that previous startup experience. Uh, the gist of it, though, is essentially that it was really tough to move on. But those three reasons just mm -hmm. made it, you know, a little bit easier, especially the passionate part. I, I, you need passion to to continue a project, and I just didn't have it anymore. Yeah, that seems to be the most the thing that drives me the most. Um, and one thing that it, it's it's hard to let go of things too, especially once you've kind of it's like that sunk cost fallacy, I believe, where you put so much time and possibly money into something that you don't want to let it go, even though it's it might not be worth like working on anymore, right? So that, that, that's the, the one thing. And I want to say like a you know direct quote now is if you're not passionate, don't go for it. I keep hearing that over and over again. And whenever I'm thinking about doing projects, it's that always comes up. But then I overanalyze and then I never actually ship anything. So uh, looking over actual uh, maker log itself now at this point uh, and the things that I've heard about it and just doing some kind of perusing around, uh, it seems like there's a lot of really, like it's simple. But there's a lot of cool things to kind of maybe keep that passion going or at least the motivation and maybe help kind of slow that fire from burning out, right? Does that... Absolutely. That's yeah. the whole point of MakerLog. Yeah, just to keep people motivated, give them a support network, which is something that that is extremely important to creators, right? And uh, just 
help you just be like a big how do i say this <laughs> a big help to your, your your whole creative process and and you were saying something about uh, the sunk cost fallacy yeah that's something I, I had a thought about it because that's something a lot of uh, especially engineers don't realize that they put a lot of effort into something they they feel is uh, quote unquote passionate they feel they're passionate about but turns out they're just passionate about the engineering and not about the problem. And you have to be passionate about both if you're continuing a startup. Otherwise, it's going to be really rough. But um, yeah, Absolutely. I'm not sure if there was anything else you wanted to kind of point out about, um, I want to say the before time, but, or if we wanted to move on to maker log or not. Like, I'm not sure if Ben had anything because I've been kind of hogging, I feel. Yeah, and I ended up kind of asking a bit more about, uh, we were talking about, getting a little bit more into maker log essentially uh and to kind of that whole um the whole ecosystem there and like what's going on with it um so i i guess i the some of the things that i saw that were pretty cool uh that i actually might have some questions on once we kind of get to them later is how many integrations and stuff you have going on here and i wonder how much uh of the people working in MakerLog or using MakerLog in their process actually contribute back to MakerLog, or if that's mostly just like a u operation well, actually, this is a very interesting question. There's a lot of integrations for MakerLog because a big selling point of MakerLog was uh, having an open API from the start, right? So a lot of these uh, services from competitors started out with, and I'm talking just, there's a few services that are like MakerLog out there. But um, a, a big differentiator is that MakerLog started out with a really open API. You could just... Uh, set up your own little JS app to make a post request and from anywhere and, and just log, right? You could make your own little integrations. Uh, a lot of people since the beginning started making uh, like command line apps, uh, their own MakerLog clients. There's actually clients to MakerLog that are third party from Jipafar, uh, uh, I think. Yeah, Jip. Follow him on Twitter. He's amazing. But yeah, I saw someone made a a mobile port of it too, right? Yes, it's crazy. There's a lot of uh, API integrations. That was a big differentiating factor. Um, so yes, a lot of the community does contribute back to to MakerLog, right? Uh, not only that, the the web front end is open source. So right now, there's an amazing, amazing person helping me out with the design aspect of MakerLog called Alina Saba. You should really check out uh, her Twitter too, Alina C Saba. Uh, she's helping me out with the design, and uh, it all gets contributed in an open source uh, uh, GitLab repository, right? Where people can just make requests, uh, pull requests, and uh, submit their own code, right? So there's a lot of community involvement and contribution into uh, when it comes to running MakerLog per se. Hold up, Alina C. Salad, go follow her. <laughs> awesome. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes. Cool. Are there any other um, makers in the community that have really inspired you aside from, uh, you know, the work in progress chat? Oh, wow. Uh, nowadays, uh, damn, there's so many amazing makers making amazing things that it's really hard to keep track. Uh, uh, definitely hmm, Dalton Edwards, this guy, this guy called Dalton, he's building an amazing web platform, right? Which is essentially a host plus database plus uh, 
just generally a whole collection of tools for free, a free web host. It's amazing. It's called one MB site, one megabyte site. You should really go check that out. And uh, hmm, other people that have inspired me a lot lately. Hmm. That's tough. Thomas walks up, one of the first users of MakerLog. He is building venture cost. It's absolutely amazing. It's a site where you can track your trips, right? Uh, you can track your trips and track the costs of each trip. So you have a nice little breakdown with, with charts. I don't travel too much, but I've looked at this website. It's absolutely beautiful, right? And uh, the third person to really inspire me a lot lately is Basile Samel. I don't know if you guys have seen his work. He made a community called 200 Words a Day. And he has been writing since it began, and he's writing some amazing content. Today, I retweeted one of his uh, posts, right, uh, where he explained that communities are what builds products. You don't build a product without a community, and it's it's central to your product. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. So he posted an article about this, and he regularly posts insights into how he he builds and, and runs and uh, and nomads too. He's a digital nomad, so you should also check him out. Basil Samel on Twitter, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, it, what he said was once you find the needs, you can address the issues by creating products, right? So uh, focus on the community, the problems, and the product in that order. I saw that quote and I was like, wow, this dude really knows what's up. You should really check out his work. He he's building some amazing stuff for 200 words a day. Yeah, if you actually um, used this platform for a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, 200 words a day has seen such incredible growth in the past uh, in the past year that it's been up. I don't even think it's been a year unless time is going really fast. Uh, but they've seen some incredible growth. Recently, they hit like 10,000. Pretty sure 10,000 articles, I, I think it was. Yeah, it's some incredible, incredible growth. I have been watching his his growth since the beginning, and he is doing some amazing work. He he is one person that I would really shout out everywhere. It's huge inspiration in building community and, and, and making things in general. I, I just added a bunch of people to my follow list now because I need inspiration, and this is super awesome. I don't yeah. think I would use 200 words a day personally, but I mean, based on some of the articles uh, and then kind of looking through some of his tweets and everything, it looks like uh, could definitely uh, I might actually start using it. Who knows? I'll find a reason. You know, I actually <laughs> this is a story of failure. <laughs> I, I tried to start a writing good. habit. I did it for like two days, and I was like, no. <laughs> well, it was at least worth a shot so that's good it I was mean, definitely worth a shot and 200 words a day was excellent and like the streak and everything worked and it was amazing i what failed was not 200 words a day it was me <laughs> oh i feel like i oh sorry go for it oh i was just gonna say um having used the platform and trying to crank out 200 words per day sometimes i get to 150 and i would just be like oh crap like i don't know what else to write i would just kind of type out a stream of consciousness garbage in order to to meet that quota, it's interesting because like now that Twitter is a two hundred and eighty. Oh, I mean that's characters. Well, never mind. Okay, I was gonna make a point about me tweeting a lot, but uh, that's not words. It's characters. Okay, my point is completely dead in the water. No, well, actually, what, what no. You, you had something there. You had something there. To, uh, tweeting is a very valid way of sharing your daily thoughts. It, it is, and it trying is a to... way of creating content, like a yeah. lot of content daily. Twitter. 
Twitter for me is like a, a very condensed 200 words a day. Uh, because for me, what, what happened with 200 words a day is that my line of thought is very, very ADHD-ish, right? So I, it's very hard for me to commit to writing long form. So if I have a really good idea and I want to I wanna write it down now, what I go is what I do is I go to Twitter and I write it and whoever sees it sees it and, and that's it, right? Of course there's a few filters, like obviously strategic business stuff and whatever, you know, that goes into a notion page or something. But in general, Twitter fits my my train of thought much better as it's very very short form and, and, and rapid, right? Um, uh, that was a problem I had with when I was writing trying to write two hundred words a day, and it's a personal problem. It's it's not something uh, related to two hundred words a day. It, everybody works differently, right? So uh, my problem is that yeah, my line of thought makes it very difficult to commit to writing long form uh, for good ideas. It's it's weird. <laughs> well, no, following on to that with um, you know, you said kind of your slight ADHD with that. Um, how do you find the the time or the focus to sit down and really uh, focus in on code? Wow, um, my way of coding is very, very strange, right? So I love my it, it's all due to my ADD in a way, right? So uh, I do something that a lot of people would consider sinful. I, I, a lot of people would consider it demonic, terrible, absolutely horrible, and I, I sacrifice a goat? No. Okay, then I think <laughs> you're fine. This could be worse. <laughs> um, I code with TweetDeck on a second screen. Oh, so you always have to, to other people the fact that you have something up on another thing that you can glance at completely kills your, you know, your, yeah. your train of thought, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also ADHD. I have been for most of my life, and. It does kill me, but sometimes it's just I just don't look at it and it's an hour later. So it just depends on what you're working on, right? I code with Twitter in the background because for some reason I have this ability to get into deep focus, right? And a lot of ADD people have this ability. You probably do too, right? So to get into deep focus, but at the same time get distracted by something uh, something in, say, Twitter and get back into that deep focus quick, right? So it's it's very, very strange. Very, very strange. It's all about controlling your your ADD and and using your you know synchronousness, right? And and taking advantage of that strange concentration pattern uh, and using it for things like marketing. I code and market at the same time. It's weird. Makes sense, man. You know, if you dig into the neuroscience behind it, um, I'm trying to re remember the name of the book. I think it's. Uh, you're not good at math or you don't think you're good at math, something like that. But anyway, in the book, they go into uh, focus and diffuse mode uh, parts of the brain. So basically, they're saying you use certain particular routes of the brain whenever you're focused on a specific task. And then when you need more creative thinking, you need to kind of open up and make new connections. Then distracting yourself or moving your mind off to something else is actually very beneficial because it allows your brain to cognitively process everything in the background. You know, that's why a lot of people, for example, advocate going for walks. So I think it's cool that you're, you're almost doing that in real time and allowing your brain to, to switch modes quickly like that. Yeah, I, I do it in a very small scale. Like if I get a Twitter, a Twitter reply, I go immediately. I waste less than a second just replying to it and moving on. Uh, but uh, generally, 
that was my that is currently my trick to marketing like that's how i market most of my products nowadays um i don't really dedicate a lot of time to it right i don't dedicate a lot of time to marketing i don't i don't sit for an hour right because i spend time in communal cumulative marketing right so I, I I'm coding and I have tweet deck on the second screen. And when I see a tweet that is interesting about somebody shipping a product, I just take a moment. I switch, I reply, Hey, congratulations. Or, you know, uh, it, it's very, very cumulative. And then when I check my time tracking app, turns out I spend an hour over the whole week, just marketing and I didn't even try it. Right. So it's a very asynchronous way. It doesn't definitely does not work for everybody. A lot of people just need one to, to focus on one thing and not be interrupted by anything, right? But that, that's how it works for me. And that's why I managed to squeeze the most out of my time. Just multitasking very effectively. Love it, man. Is there anything else uh, that you would kind of consider out of the ordinary that um, you do for, say, productivity or creativity? Nothing, nothing comes to mind. I, I don't think that I am particularly, that I have any habits that are particularly, uh, you know, not ordinary, <laughs> you know, uh, it's mostly just normal tips and tricks, uh, normal multitasking tips and tricks, doing exercise is a big one, right? So if I, if I wake up one day, and I don't feel like coding, right, I, I look at the code, and I don't think about anything. 20 minutes of exercise, quick, do it. 20 minutes of exercise. And I do it every day, I exercise daily. But if I feel that uh, that I'm not very motivated that day, what I do is I just pick up my phone, I do exercise at that moment, and afterwards I'm refreshed and I am ready to, to work, right? So it, I don't have a particular trick, you know, aside from just asynchronously doing things and multitasking very well although it does bite me back sometimes it really does right on and one new development i had noticed with uh, MakerLog, i mean among all of the other ones is uh introvert you've been uh you know slowly kind of monetizing that process with uh smaller ads can you talk a little bit more about that how you enjoy using uh their platform or maybe some pros and cons Oh, wow. Introvert is one of my favorite. That's actually one of my favorite indie success stories out there. Um, Dominic Mon, he is somebody you should really follow. I don't remember his username. I, I think it was DQ Mon and an underscore. But uh, he's one of the most uh, interesting success stories out there in the maker community. Um, introvert is essentially like an advertising service in which people can self-submit ads right into communities and you can and it has rotation and people can book ad spots uh it's a very interesting way of monetizing communities which are notoriously hard to monetize i'm i'm having a difficult time with MakerLog, even though it's going relatively well compared to our quarterly goals right but uh, since communities are notoriously hard to to monetize introvert makes it easier by just uh, allowing you to have ad spots and uh, lately i've been it's been doing well like uh, Ad spots are selling out very well on MakerLog. Uh, Fifty dollars for fifty k impressions is super reasonable, and uh, it's a very easy way to monetize uh, a community without having privacy intruding ads like Carbon Ads or AdSense. And overall, the switch from Carbon Ads to Introvert has been super positive. I oh, love that, man. Yeah, oh. I, 
I was going to ask a little bit on, uh, I noticed that there was MakerLog Gold, uh, and I actually didn't even know there were ads, but I'm also one of those uh, mean people who have ad block on all the time. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't notice them uh, rather, like, I should probably turn that off real quick. But yeah, uh, so like, those are the two different ways that you kind of monetize it, or? Yeah, I, I'm slowly working on the process of monetization. It's a very, very complex monetization because... Uh, as I mentioned like uh, a few times earlier, uh, communities are very, very hard to monetize, right? And I, I'm slowly monetizing it. So right now the, the MRR is around 250, 230 something. I, I have to do the books, but it, it's I'm doing well. It's doing very well. Uh, I'm very satisfied with the monetization process and uh, it's hard to do it uh, because monetization is the opposite of communities, right? And to jump in here, what's uh, MMR? Uh, MRR is monthly recurring revenue. I only have, I think, shoot one Patreon at the moment, and no one has bought merchandise yet. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, I told it's you really I would. I'll get to it. Communities. I did notice as well that there was a, a, a MakerLog roadmap uh, blog on your site as well, saying that you guys were, uh, MakerLog is at least cash flow positive and funded for quite a while, it seems. So that, that openness is actually really, really uh, awesome to see. I'm absolutely open about my monetization strategy for MakerLog because I, you know, openness is essentially a very big, uh, a very big part of the indie maker experience. You're open about your stats, you're open about your roadmap, right? And you get that feedback, you get that motivation, right? And uh, communities and communities transparency is everything, right? So. Uh, especially when it comes to monetization, which is then again a really tough part of having community. Uh, my current plan is just uh, gold. I'm working on expanding gold, which is the value added package. It's like five dollars a month that comes with dark mode milestones, which is a way for indie makers to reach the maker log audience uh, and tell them about their achievements, right? So uh, I'm slowly working on monetizing, and everything is very transparent. I I always tell everybody what I'm going to do about monetizing MakerLog uh, and always with the core concept of being inclusive, right? MakerLog is an inclusive community. It's always been inclusive since the start. It's the reason I made it and it's going to stay that way. It really helps. Uh, you, we were touching on, like I'd say about what uh, a while ago about just kind of the humanity of products and that's been super important lately. Absolutely. That's the indie maker advantage. I saw somebody that somebody was talking about um, the return of the artisanal web. I don't remember where exactly uh, I saw it, but somebody was writing about it and it was very interesting and it really struck a chord. I, the indie maker advantage is just transparency and, and knowing that the product is made by a real human and not a big corporation or not a startup or a YC funded startup, right? Knowing that your product is made by somebody and that somebody's out there makes people more understanding of your product. And at the same time, opens up to transparency and a level never seen before on the internet. Yeah, that's, that's something that I've definitely noticed in the past, I would say 10 or so years is finally that move to darn transparency. Um, you know, when I was working as an SEO consultant, I was trying to sell clients on that idea. I'm saying, look, this is where we're trending. You know, this is how the market is moving. And they just still wanted to stay behind like that, I don't know, stock images, a very monolithic corporate clean whitewash type site. 
and um, you know it's it's really nice to see that a lot of you know younger people coming up and a lot of new uh, you know product innovators are, are coming out with that greater transparency. Absolutely, transparency. Uh, transparency is everything in the in the age of no privacy. You know, and the uh, smaller. <laughs> Smaller indie advantage, that's another big indie, indie advantage, that indie makers care about privacy. And they're a great alternative to uh, products made by bigger giants. Um, and actually, that remembers me of a, a very interesting indie story that I would like to share. So for a long time, there's been these services for unsubscribing from emails, right? Uh, in which you you pointed at your Gmail account, right? I think it was free. It was called Unroll Me. That that was the biggest player in that in that industry. So you would point it at your email, and you'd have like nice switches for getting rid of unwanted subscriptions and spam. Um, lately, they are have probably going to have a rough time because <laughs> a new competitor came to the market, and they are kicking butt. And it's one of my very my favorite indie maker. Uh, groups out there, uh, Squarecat, which is uh, formed of James Ivings and uh, uh, Danielle, which is uh, they're they're a couple and they're absolutely amazing. They're shipping uh, Leave Me Alone, which is a a service that just does everything that Unroll Me does better. <laughs> that is the only description. Better and it's way more private because it was discovered that Unroll Me sells user data, right? So they're an indie alternative to these really crappy services out there uh, that sell your user data and they're doing super well. It's one of the, uh, another of the most amazing success stories in the indie maker community. They went from like essentially uh, zero customers. And uh, I, I remember being probably one of the first people to try it to having thousands and thousands of clients. It's been absolutely incredible to watch and they are really kicking butt. I'm pretty sure the, the people that unroll at me are, are getting scared at this point. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I still I think use roll up or unroll me, but uh, I just haven't had the heart to to opt out yet, just because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they're just generally doing really well, and unroll me is they have competition. They 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 should be scared, rightfully, completely, because damn. Selling user data is quite possibly one of the worst things you can do. Agreed. Yeah, one thing that um, had actually just recently caught my interest with the indie maker community is uh, Dana Allen's uh, budget meal planner. I thought it was kind of an interesting take. Uh, you know, I think it's less you can eat for less than five dollars a day. I was checking that out today. I I think I subscribed a few days ago because you know I'm a college student. I need to eat, <laughs> and I need to eat in a very very cheap manner. Like, so, I'm just bad with money. Sign me up. <laughs> same. Generally, <laughs> I order out every night if I have the opportunity. Uh, oh, I I love uh, there. There is this nice place in my university where you could get like a, a pizza and uh, and a drink in combo for like three bucks. My favorite place to eat ever. I eat there every freaking week. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Budget yeah, planner is a very interesting, very interesting development because Diana, Diana, she has been working on something called Outglobing for a while, and now she's pivoting to budget meal planner, and she, it seems it's doing really well. And I've seen some of those recipes; they're really legit. They are legit good. 
Yeah, I was just going to uh, mention, I just posted a link in chat there for, uh, looks like Tex-Mex. And she's breaking down basically like how to do breakfast, lunch, dinner. And this looks freaking fantastic. I would love to eat this. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, she posted something about a Mediterranean week. And it was interesting because I checked it out. I checked out the, the breakfast recipe. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it one day this week. It's uh, it's overnight oats. It was really cool. I'm probably going to do it. It was Mediterranean overnight oats, to be precise. Well, yeah, and just um, based upon, I don't know, just her, her cheer, her smile, her general gravitas, I think, online, this is like the perfect niche to really match her personality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's actually written a few books. I, uh, She's writing a new book about um, cooking, right? A budget meal planner. But I, I remember a while back, I bought a book from her called Make and Shine. It was really good, too. I I would find, I'm probably going to find a link and post it in the chat later, but it, it was really interesting. And there were a lot of great tips in there. Uh, she is generally a really good content creator and another indie maker to look up to. And but your meal planner just hits a very specific niche and it does it very, very well. And she should really continue doing that, growing her her newsletter like that. It's an excellent progress. Well, right on. Well, we've had a bunch of cool shout outs to uh, other makers out there. Is there anything more, um, you know, mainstream, any more like, I suppose, mainstream tools or startups that you're you're interested in recently? Mainstream startups. I'm interesting. Yeah, I'm interested recently. Oh, hmm. That's a tough question. The problem is I haven't been paying attention to the mainstream. Uh, oh, do get called. Well, now that Peter Levels is hitting kind of mainstream level with Nomadlist, you could probably say he's mainstream. I mean, he's doing very well. <laughs> he's doing very well. I've been paying attention to yeah, uh, Nomadlist. He's building something called. Uh, I think it's uh, earn line list. It hasn't come out yet, but it's very interesting. And uh, also, uh, he built something called Maker Scores, Maker Reports. It was interesting, um, but he's doing very well. I've, pay, I've been paying attention to a lot of Peter Level's work. He's he's an amazing inspiration. Everybody who's listening to the pod, podcast should go follow him on Twitter at Levels.io. Right on. Um, yeah, to circle back to one of the original threads where we were talking about, uh, you know, your first project, you were mentioning that initially the plan and the vision was to uh, get into YC and kind of go that route with uh, making. Uh, why? What would you say has been the major paradigm shift between uh, wanting to go the more traditional route of um, venture-backed uh, startups and accelerators to just really doing your own thing and, and really getting focused on a, a bootstrap uh, product. The major insight was just realizing that I don't need it, that you don't really need in today's days, day and age, te technology is so accessible that you don't really need a massive budget to build something amazing. Right? So I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I had maker log on a $5 server until recently. And I have lost exactly zero dollars building MakerLog and hosting it and running it. No money has been lost. That's how accessible. Uh, that's how accessible cloud technology is, and you can learn to code super quick nowadays with a lot of courses out there, free courses. Uh, you, there's so many documentation and uh, tutorials out there, and movements like 301 Days of Code. Shout out to Benjamin, <laughs> right? There's a lot of movements out there. 
a lot of resources and it all it takes is just tapping them you know learning how to code uh getting a five dollar a month server that's all it takes to build a successful online business nowadays and that, that's been such a revolution and you can see the rise of the artisanal web nowadays in the in the maker community and i am super excited to see what comes out of the new maker community and yeah well, me super super pumped now just that i've been wanting to make a product i just don't know what yet so now i'm like i'm like kind of itching to just start working on something now like this. absolutely you have uh, now there's so many resources hell a maker log is currently ran in like a 20 dollar a month server right and it handles like three million requests per month nothing major at all that's that's what's so amazing. Software nowadays is so optimized that you can just get a five dollar server literally and, and throw hundreds of thousands of requests at it and it won't have a problem. And that's so incredible that you can you, you have access in, in a click of a button, you can deploy a server and you have access to what was really, really uh, expensive technology back in the day. And that's the thing. Nowadays you don't need VC. You don't need a billion dollar budget to build a successful business. And that's what everybody should really take advantage of nowadays. There's a lot of products out there that should have never taken VC. And eventually it just ends up destroying them, right? It destroys a lot of startups, um, which have, could have been otherwise just fine by going the bootstrap route. So don't make that mistake. If your product does not need VC, say something that is not that does not require millions of research or something. If, you're, if you have an idea, you have a solution, you can make it. You don't need PC. That's it. You can just start making money right away. Set up a Stripe account, uh, put it up on a server, add a button to buy now, and you're done. That's it. You're done. You have a business. Speaks to the kind of the overarching people are too impatient and they want a quick win when in all actuality like yeah you can get funding get a quick win but it might actually kill you in the end as opposed to being patient doing Absolutely. the product right and then just over time it will work will it maybe suck in the interim yeah probably but having bcs on your back is something that eventually just destroys a lot of startups it destroys a lot of startups that you know having a lot of investors that want their money back and you know don't care about the vision don't you know it's essentially a, a pita to, to put it nicely <laughs> oh you can curse on this podcast yeah you get <laughs> complete pain in the ass there you go <laughs> yeah it's a you know don't do vc it's a pain in the ass it's that simple well, right on, man. Um, is there anything, Sergio, that you've been wanting to to really talk about, or just you know, any questions for Nick or myself or um, anyone in the community in general? Well, um, actually, there's something I wanted to tell you, Benjamin. Like, I've been watching your 300 days of code, uh, 301 days of code movement very closely, and you're doing super well. Everybody that's listening to this podcast should go check out this uh, that movement. If you don't know how to code yet. Uh, CodeCareer.io has resources where you can just uh, learn how to code, uh, get a support group, and of course, uh, uh, also join MakerLog, get MakerLog.com, and there we will happily provide resources uh, in your whole learning journey for indie hacking and uh, creating your first successful bootstrapped profitable business. I love it, man. Yeah, do you guys have any plans to put out like a... Um 
I don't know, maybe like a long form tutorial or like a guide for some of your users who want to get into uh, bootstrapping? <laughs> Absolutely. MakerLog is one of the big roadmap uh, points for this year on MakerLog is to just be the, the first entry point of people to, to making, right? And helping provide as many resources as possible to makers that are starting out, uh, introducing mm -hmm. them to the community, introducing them to indie hacking, which is a very foreign concept to a lot of people. A lot of people still think that outside our bubble, outside our indie maker bubble, a lot of people think that the only way to start a business is to go get, raise $3 million in one day. No, right? So we want to make that clear. and want to send that message out there very loud and clear. You can make something without VC and you can just do it now. You can learn to code, uh, you can learn to, to make your business, you can do everything. And MakerLog will be the, the place that helps you achieve your goals. Well, love it, man. I don't think um, any of us could have said it better than that. Um, so Nick, do you have any additional questions or anything else that you'd like to, uh, to touch on before we wrap up? Uh, I mean, thanks for the shout out to us because that saves us from a couple, a uh, little bit of, you know, wasting breath on that. So appreciate that. Uh, Code Career Discord community is super awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, another one quick comment thing too is uh, the sign up process because I literally signed up for MakerLog today and I saw you like my, hey, I'm recording a Code Career podcast uh, thing on MakerLog. Um, the, the, how everything kind of worked. Uh, and said, oh, hey, yeah, do this, do this. Here's how this works. And it was just super straightforward. And then the rest, I'm just kind of tooling around and stuff. And so super, no, seriously, go go join MakerLog. It's awesome. I'm going to start using it to Welcome make myself accountable. I'm really glad to have you. Uh, I see you went through the onboarding tutorial, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally added that this week. I'm super excited about it. Oh, well then, heck yeah. So that's awesome. Sign up if you haven't already, because, or if you don't know what the heck's going on, then just the, the sign up thing is great. It's awesome. So good job on that, man. That's Getmakerlog.com. Sign up today. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, that's really, thank you very much for, for your time. Uh, Sergio, it was nice to chat with you and kind of get a little bit of backstory and kind of get into some, I guess, like meta topics. It was, it was really interesting and really thank cool. Thank you for having me. I am, I really appreciate the opportunity to come here and share some time and thoughts with you. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, I hope to see a lot of more stuff coming out of 301 Days of Code. I love seeing how you guys are helping new coders uh, reach their goals and getting careers in, in, in programming. You're doing really well. Keep that stuff up. And I'm a huge fan. Awesome, man. You know, I really appreciate the, uh, the vote of confidence. And as we've mentioned, go ahead and check out getmakerlog.com. Well, thanks, guys. That's uh, going to do it for us. Uh, Again, this is Ben Spack. We got uh, Nick and Sergio with us. Um, do you guys have any final parting thoughts? Anything additional that you want to plug just before we sign off? Sergio, you go first or anything? Or um, Well, yeah, I have uh, one more thing to plug, and I, I really can't uh, stress this enough. Join MakerLog. <laughs> 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 uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. Ben? All right, all right cool. Well, thanks, yeah, anything, guys. Ben? I guess. Uh, nope. I guess we'll go ahead and. Uh, oh, sorry. You said you have. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, I know you tweeted out. It was I think Thursday or Friday uh, that we are. I know we got quite a bit of signups so far for. We're looking for some more guests on the podcast. We got some really cool guests that are coming. 
um, that we haven't quite announced yet that I'm super freaking pumped to interview as well. Um, but if you are interested, uh, we do have a type form. Uh, we could probably link to that in the show notes, I would think, unless like, I mean, we're good for the next few weeks, but I mean, we could always use more people who are interested in uh, kind of talking with us and either promoting something or just maybe even kind of getting into some really interesting kind of like uh what what uh, my brain like not astrology that's weird like just kind of like you know just how people think and stuff right and and how people kind of go about their process from whether they're new uh, or seasoned whether they have products launched or whether they're like freelancing and stuff so we're kind of looking for just about everything we're still kind of trying to figure out what we're doing uh i guess direction wise um we've been kind of chit-chatting a little bit about it like where we want this podcast to go but um yeah we just kind of want to help people get along in their coding journey so if you're interested uh hit us up yeah, great point. Thanks for circling back around there, man. I totally, I am bad at burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so, you're yeah, good. Very, very excited to be chatting with uh, Tim Myers in the coming weeks. Um, he's also known as Denver Coder on on Twitter. And um, yeah, Nick, who, who are you looking forward to? Oh, uh, first off, uh, I just got the, saw the uh, stuff for... Um, Wow, I should know this. Person of Free Code Camp. Um, Quincy Larson. There we go. Uh, we got Quincy oh. Larson coming up. Oh, dude. I saw that. I was so impressed. I was, what? Free Code Camp is the platform that got me to get over things and realize that I like doing projects and essentially led me to the point uh, between that and Self Conference, which is a Detroit awesome conference that happened this past weekend, um, to actually become a professional developer. So I am super pumped about that. Um, and then also Kent C. Dodds. Um, I know I'm saying yes. all the big thunders, but dude, Kent, I just love how he teaches and I love all the content he produces, but yeah, we got, um, a couple big names, uh, but then we got some just kind of, uh, you know, uh, everyday, uh, everyday devs, whether they're just learning and then some people who've been seasoned. So that's, uh, you got all the type form and all the people who submitted so far. So, but, uh, yeah, some of the people who responded, it's, it's, it's going to be really fun the next, next couple months. Yeah. Super excited. Um, a throwback to actually my SEO days. I'm, I got uh, Rand Fishkin to actually sign up. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's the former um, founder of Moz, uh, formerly SEO Moz. Um, now he's founding a new company called Spark Turo, and I think most recently he's gotten pretty popular for his uh, book release of Everywhereist. Um, definitely a cool guy. If uh, you haven't seen any of his Whiteboard Fridays, highly recommend it. I will share a link in the description. You have an incredible lineup going on. I, I I was like, what? When I saw that you uh, you got free code camp guys, and now you you said you had Kent Dodds. Wow. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, great work. Ben is putting in some serious legwork. Like I said, I I haven't done. I just show up. Uh, I do a little bit of show note research thing so far. <laughs> well, hey man, uh, you know I am not fantastic at uh, keeping up the talk and that sort of stuff. So I love that. Um, you know, we definitely complement each other's strengths on that. Absolutely. Sweet. Anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, interacting with you more on MakerLog, probably on Twitter and some stuff, some more there, Sergio. And then, uh, you know, so anyway, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Um, before we drag this out too long, you know, just uh... <laughs> guys, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah no pleasure, problem, man. man. Have a good one.